Welcome to Voices of Santa Clara. Having a good idea doesn't get you done. And if we'd hit those, there would have been an explosion. We would have died, obviously. Scholarship should cultivate the virtues. Worry more about, am I searching for what I should be doing next in the world? Thank you for tuning in to the Voices of Santa Clara podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Cosgrave. Spring is coming, the weather is warming up, and graduation is nearing. And because of that, I'm trying to interview more seniors, a lot of different leaders of clubs and people who are doing really cool projects. And today's guest is one of those incredible seniors, Zareen Kazi, who is a Spanish major and computer science minor. She's the director of the Multicultural Center, or MCC, at Santa Clara. And in this conversation, we talk about her experience growing up in a Muslim family in the Bay Area, and then how she ended up at Santa Clara. We talk about her transition and difficulties finding a community at Santa Clara in her first year. But then after that, um, we discuss how she helped to build communities, both as a community facilitator in the dorms and also through the MCC. You'll also learn about some highlights of Zareen's college experience, her dream job, and her favorite type of music. Please enjoy this conversation, and I think you will. All right, well, I'm excited to be here today with Zareen Kazi, the director of the MCC. And I'd love to start out by asking um, if there were any moments in your childhood where you first got interested in multicultural or social justice topics. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think, yes, to answer your question, um, I was always kind of rambunctious and I would talk back to my parents in what I would see to be moments of injustice. But at the time, I had no idea. I just really didn't like unfairness so specifically there were times um, I was raised in a Muslim household and so there were different expectations for like what I could wear and I have an older brother and there would be a lot of times during the summer when I would have to wear the cover-up completely when I would go see my relatives but my brother could wear whatever he wanted and at the time like I was just warm (laughs) like I I didn't want to have to be restricted because um, you know it was gonna be hot outside and I was like why does my brother get to wear whatever he wants but like there are different expectations for me Um, and I would like argue about it since when I was like in sixth grade like just like this little feminist being like hey this isn't fair at the time obviously I didn't put the word with the with what I was doing but um really just like seeing unfairness that happened to me as well as to other people was something that really bothered me from like probably an early age and I was always unafraid to speak up about it um and I think my parents probably were annoyed about it but they Mm -hmm. didn't punish me necessarily they like allowed me to speak even if they didn't change their mind for a while Mm -hmm. um and so i think it was it really came out of personal experience of feeling like there were different expectations for me as a woman compared to my brother as a man that was like really like the big like the starting point Mm -hmm. and then I like learned what the definition of feminism was and mm-hmm. like what racial justice meant. Um, and then once I just started seeing how people were affected or treated differently, mm-hmm. just like the compassion in me was like, I have to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where um, kind of learning more in like high school and things like that. And that was kind of the starting point. And then it just really blossomed, I think, mm-hmm. at the end of high school and when I came to college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think you just naturally had that courage to speak? 
speak up because I feel like some people could just like close in and mm-hmm. not want to yeah. do anything about it. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I'm the youngest of three, and I there's a three year difference between my older brother and then a five year difference between my older sister. So I think because I was the youngest, um, yeah, I don't know. I was always like that kid that was always like I don't want to say talking back, but like yeah, I hadn't no fear about speaking out even to my grandparents mm-hmm. um which a lot of people even now would never do but um my there like what i remember instances of like my grandma being like racist towards like black folks and just making comments and things like that i'm like you can't say that like i didn't know why she couldn't say it but i was like you can't say that mm-hmm. and she was like i'm your grandma like you have to respect me so i guess it was because i had a little more freedom than most kids my age mm-hmm. and i could see um and so i just really took it and ran <laughs> um mm-hmm. from there but i think it was helpful that it started at an early age because i know a lot of people even now are still um, working to find their voice and like find confidence in that voice but i i do feel lucky that i kind of found it at a super early age mm-hmm. um and wasn't really like afraid to kind of use it mm-hmm. did your muslim upbringing ever create like challenges in like high school at all or um i kind of because of like different experiences and like my own beliefs kind of rejected it from a pretty early age mm-hmm. as well um and so it wasn't necessarily something that i associated with myself more than like it was something that i thought about in terms of my family um and like my extended relatives like there was always this kind of like fear um like when they would have big gatherings like you know something in the back of your mind like oh is something going to happen like should i be worried um my mom doesn't wear like a headscarf in public mm-hmm. and so i like didn't have to worry on that sense but I think I always just kind of had a feeler for the community because um, I was related to like Muslim folks and like because that was my upbringing Um, but I think personally the only kind of instances where it really directly affected me was when I was still fasting for Ramadan Um, my teachers were like not accommodating at all and with that fast it's not just food but it's water from sunrise to sunset and so I would tell my PE teachers like hey like I can't drink water like I probably shouldn't run a mile today and they wouldn't excuse it and they would make me do it anyway um so there are instances like that where it was just kind of for me it wasn't something that I really saw as religious more than just something a cultural practice that I was like kind of subscribing to but um and there are instances like that but um I went to a very um predominantly Asian predominantly folks of color community and school and so I think more of my community members kind of understood than maybe if I had gone to like a more predominantly white institution like Santa Clara when I was growing up Mm -hmm. but there were instances where people just kind of like didn't understand Mm -hmm. um that importance Hmm. yeah and then what led you to choose Santa Clara yeah Um, I love when people ask me this because I really didn't think about it that much um we bring a lot of high schoolers to campus and like elementary middle schools and I'm like I just want you all to think about it because I did not. I just, my cr- criteria was um, a small school in California. That's all I wanted. And there aren't that many small schools in California. So I ended up applying to five, Santa Clara being one of them. And um, they ended up giving me the most money. And I was like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I live close by, I didn't actually spend that much time at the school mm-hmm. before coming. And so, yeah, it was really just kind of a, not, I don't want to say not well thought out, but in terms of like spending time and like visiting schools and things like that, that wasn't really something that I put a lot of time into. It was kind of just a decision based on like a few um, pieces of criteria that I had. Mm-hmm. Were there was there anything that surprised you or that was difficult to like transition into college in your first? couple weeks or months here yeah I think my first year was Mm. was a big transition like I said my high school was 85 plus percent Asian American so coming from that environment to this environment was just really new in the sense of like I felt like people didn't understand me as much like I was talking to somebody um and I was mentioning how like my family doesn't traditionally celebrate Thanksgiving um and they were like oh I like oh I thought you were American (laughs) I was like 
yikes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was born in California. Like, I just happened to not celebrate it. Like, mm-hmm. that's not a criteria. Mm-hmm. So it did take me, I would say, my whole first year to really get acclimated and to, like, understand the new environment because I had never seen myself as a person of color before I came to college. I just saw myself as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really feeling different was something that myself and a lot of people had to confront coming to Santa Clara, like in the residence halls, like I have faced like microaggressions, like for my very first month. Um, there was an instance where I was taking a chem class, chem 11, and um, I had never taken chemistry before. And I was super scared because at the time I wanted to go to med school. I was like, I got to keep my grades up. So um, every day for like the first month, I was like studying for this midterm that like my professor was like, it's a third of your grade. Like if you don't pass, like you're not going to med school and like really like freaking us out. Right. And I like, studied my butt off and I got like a 99 on the test and I was so proud of myself and I remember there was a dude that lived on my floor um, and he was a white man and um, he saw me studying like consistently and then when I got my he was like oh so like had that test go and I was like oh I did really well and he was like oh well like it's just probably because you're Indian right and I was like oh I was like, you saw me studying, like you saw the work I was doing and like I didn't even know if he like really meant it or if he thought he was a joke but um, it was just like to have somebody like doubt my abilities like that, like super young into the university and just like trying to live my life. And I was like, I remember it was really funny at the time. I don't even know where this came from because I really hadn't been confronted with that situation. But I was like, okay, buddy, like how many Indian people do you know? And I remember he was like 300, 400. I was like, okay, let's say that's true. I was like, how many Indian people are there in this world? And he was like, a lot. And I'm like, you think you know, you think that 300, 400 says anything about the rest of them? He's like, no. And then he just walked away. I was like, Mm. yeah, bye. (laughs) So fortunately, I was like able to like front it. But it was so weird. Like I was like, why, why are people, you know, like it was little things like that just that made me feel just different. And that I had to kind of like, I kind of thought I would come into college and everything would just kind of fall into place. And like I would be able to make friends quickly and feel comfortable quickly, um, which wasn't the case, which was hard. But I think it really forced me to kind of seek out really like true relationships that were really um, strong and people that really understood me. Um, so even though it was challenging and I think that's something that I try to do now is like make things more comfortable for new folks who are coming in who have the same experiences like me. Um, it does help you become a like better, more resilient person, but it is really challenging. Mm-hmm. Where did you find those friendships? Um, I would say um, a lot of them kind of happened just by chance. Um, There's a few folks of color that were living in my residence hall that kind of just happened to find each other. Um, and those some of those friends kind of introduced me to other friends that they had made, and we all happened to kind of be involved in the MCC. Um, and I think that that community, I wasn't specifically seeking out the MCC, but I think it just kind of happened that we all had been having similar experiences. And even though we all came from like really different places and like diverse backgrounds in the sense of like locations and like um like ethnic backgrounds we all like as people of color whether we realize it or not like really had a shared experience of like that discomfort and like found each other and like found our own communities within the mcc and so i think that was what really kind of helped me feel more comfortable Hmm. and then you mentioned with the chem test that Mm -hmm. at the time you wanted to go to med school so did that change yes it did change um i was always kind of like a little iffy on like the med school thing. It just, I really wanted to like, I was like, I want to help people. I want to be a doctor. Um, and I thought I was really into bio. That was not right. <laughs> um, and I just like found slowly that I was getting less and less passionate about my classes and more passionate about um, 
at the time, like technology. Mm-hmm. So I ended up changing. The big thing that made me switch was uh, OCHEM just got destroyed. And I was like, OK, this is not the path for me. Um, and I switched, started taking uh, computer science classes. And I really like those. Um, and I really like the math side. And I was started thinking about like biotech and just like different mm-hmm. things. Um, but funny enough, I actually changed my major again <laughs> um, very recently. So I went from, I was a bio and Spanish double major when I came in, switched to Spanish and computer science, and then I ended up dropping the computer science to a minor. So I'm just mm. a Spanish major and a computer science minor. Okay. How did you, how did kind of your involvement in the MCC mm-hmm. progress yeah. through your time at Santa Clara? Definitely. So I actually have like a pretty unique um, involvement kind of path like there's kind of a traditional trajectory for like mcc directors specifically where there'll be like freshman representatives for an organization their first year mcc representatives co-presidents and then director that's like not necessary but it's very common to have some iteration of that but for me um i wasn't super involved my freshman year i was kind of like in and out of different clubs and then my sophomore year i was the mcc representative for a new organization called it called together for ladies of color that had just started that year um and so that was like my big like role that I had in the MCC. But I think um, over the f- my four years, like I was really tapped into kind of what the different clubs were doing, even if I wasn't like directly involved in them. Um, and a lot of my friends were like on boards of different clubs. So I kind of always knew what was happening in the MCC, even though I wasn't like officially having like a title. Um, so it, for me, it was just more of like a community thing that I could always come to if I wanted to, um, events that I could always come to if I wanted to, but it wasn't necessarily like the involvement that I have now. Um, and yeah, so that's just kind of like how I got in, mm-hmm. got started in being involved. And then at the end of last year, I decided to run for director and mm-hmm. hearing. Nice. What were some of your goals coming into this year as director? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think... A lot of it was really, so I was a CF for two years and that really taught me like how to build community and like, like really unite people and make them Mm -hmm. feel comfortable. Even if they, there were certain connections that like you wouldn't anticipate or like people you wouldn't anticipate being friends with initially. Mm -hmm. So I think like my big vision was to have people, like individual members of the MCC feel really valued and feel Mm -hmm. like they could do the work of justice and that it wouldn't necessarily always have to fall to like the leaders. Mm -hmm. As well as, I think, just, like, continuing on the work of, like, advocating for folks of color and marginalized communities on campus. That's, like, our tagline, but I think it's always something that needs to be at the forefront for the MCC um, and for leadership in the MCC. So I think those are, like, kind of my big goals, but it definitely really morphed and transformed as the year went on and, like, as new challenges came on and things Mm. like that. Mm -hmm. How do you make people feel comfortable and accepted that way? Yeah. Like like you learned as a CF how to do that. So as a CF, I think it's really, really about persistence. Um, there are some residents that as much as you say hi to them, as much as you invite them to things, they're never going to show up to your socials and that's fine. But I think the important thing is for them to know that if something were to come up for them, good or bad, that they would be able to come to you. And I remember my first year as a CF, as a CF and done, and I would always leave my door open. I was in there all the time. And there was this one person that lived on like the end of the hall and it would have to walk past my room and I'd be like, hey, and he was just like, oh, hey, like, and just kind of keep walking. And I did that every single day for like months. And then one time I was like looking down doing homework or something and someone said, hey, and I looked up and it was him. And I was like, he said hi to me first. This is such a big accomplishment. Uh-huh. Like I made it. Uh-huh. Um, so I think it's like knowing that building that community and establishing those connections looks really different mm-hmm. for different people. For some people, like they were in my room all the time. Like they would tell me, you know, how their day was going 
like every day they would come in and be like hey like this is what happened to my day like how was your day and that was super great and i really loved it but you know they weren't the same as like somebody else who just kind of needed me to say hey sometimes or like facebook message me saying like hey like my water isn't working like what do i do Mm -hmm. um so understanding that everyone is really different and like needs different things but i think using those like personal connections to build others is like was always my main goal as a cf so Mm -hmm. I would try to build like strong connections with everybody. So then when somebody was walking by and they're like, oh, we don't know him that well. Like, hey, like, oh, I do. So <laughs> let me introduce you. Or like, did you know that, you know, they play water polo or something like that? Like, mm-hmm. I think just really investing in individuals mm-hmm. allows you to kind of build up your relationship with them and then subsequently their relationships with other people on the floor. And I think that's similar to what we do in the MCC. It's really just about like establishing those individual bonds and like recognizing mm-hmm. that everybody has a different experience, but that if we all kind of have a common goal, then it was like building community on the floor. Now it's just like building a community for folks of color on mm-hmm. campus. It's like if we all have that goal, it can kind of be the the tool that kind of like brings us from like where we are now to where we're trying to go. Hmm. Are there any events or experiences within the past year or two that have been especially memorable within the MCC? Mm. Oh, so the first thing that came to my mind was after the incident with the My Board is My Choice posters, mm-hmm. um, that was a really hard thing for our community to deal with just because um, it was just such a like blatant attack on folks who experience attacks all the time, mm-hmm. both from in the university and beyond. And I think the community like really came together to support the undocumented community amongst other communities that were affected. Um, and we had um, kind of like an all community meeting in Chappelle, like following the incident, as well as like different opportunities for folks to just come and show support. And I think that was just like so beautiful where people were just like, kind of just took put their things on a pause and said like, hey, like I'm gonna prioritize you right now because I know that you've been targeted. And I thought that that was really beautiful and like really felt, allowed me to feel really connected to the community um, really as like a place of support. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of like more on, you know, it was like a negative incident that spurred that. But mm-hmm. in terms of just like everyday interactions, I think just like on the office side, like we spend a lot of time there, just like I'm a commuter. So like I spend a lot of my time there. Um, I like eat most of my meals in there and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's just really nice that like I can just kind of look up and see a bunch of people that I know and be like, hey, like what's up? Like mm-hmm. or see people like helping each other with their homework, just like little things like that. Mm-hmm. I think are the things that really propel people to like have this community that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Are there any specific programs or things that you've done with undocumented students? Because I feel like that's been more of a of a focus within mm-hmm. the past year. So kind of like, why is that important right now? Definitely. Yeah. So I think the undocumented community, like absolutely it like should be prioritized because of the changing status of immigration in the United States. Um, it changes every week. Mm-hmm. Um, new things are happening. And I think not, it's not a new issue by any means, like the issue of like immigrants as well as like undocumented folks has been an issue for many many years but i think specifically right now given the political climate as well as just kind of like the social climate that exists in the country and on campus it's really important that um those folks feel supported and we as like like documented folks compel ourselves to educate ourselves on the issue so that we're not having to like be like hey like can you explain this to me like what does this mean um and i think the way to do that is really just to kind of like support the work that folks are already doing and so like we have a very prominent group called the undocumented students and allies association which was formed a couple of years ago and they have been so phenomenal and steadfast and really like maintaining a community for themselves but also being very specific and vocal and active in achieving the things that they want mm-hmm. um and so kind of working with administration like they recently had a fundraiser um that was amazing and they planned it so that they could 
helped this fund called the Cabrini Fund, which is for undocumented mm-hmm. students, which was just started. And um, they've raised $10,000 for that fund mm-hmm. within the year. And it's amazing. So um, really for me, with the way I see it is as somebody who's an ally to the community, it's like, hey, like I'm here. What do you need um, mm-hmm. at any moment? And I think that that really allows us to um, not really like make sure that the spotlight is on the community doing the work, um, but also like supporting them in any ways that we as allies can. Um, I think it's really great. And I think, as I mentioned, kind of like the different healing sessions and like art sessions that they had after um, the incident was really a way that I saw that happening kind of like before my eyes. So right now, if you see in Benson, the like poster displays um, on the railings that was originally created after that incident, but um, we put it back up for immigration week to really like highly undocumented immigrants. So I think really like keeping them at the forefront of our mind is really important and really key to addressing the situation in the sense of like, we can't change like what's happening in the country. Like to an extent, um, a lot of things are happening without kind of like our say or without maybe how we would want it. But it's important to kind of like take those things into our own hands as much as we can and like Mm -hmm. impact change where we can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there any lessons you've learned about leadership in the past? year yeah definitely i think it's really um important to invest in the people that you're working with and make sure that they feel supported Mm -hmm. um enough where similarly to like when i was a cf it's like they even if they don't like different organizations will need different things from you at different points and so making sure that they know that you're available what depending on what that will look like for them i think it's really important and it's hard because you can't just be like hey like just shoot me a text if you need anything because that's not necessarily you know that might not always work like for some people they're like okay yeah i can text her whenever i want but other people are like oh should i like so i think really understanding different communities is always a challenge and it's something that has been challenging for me because when we think about the mcc like a lot of people just see us as like students of color, which is what unites us. But like within that, like we all have very different experiences and there are communities that are intermarginalized within like folks of color when we think about colorism, things like that. So it's like making sure that I myself is very educated um, on like different issues that different communities face. So um, I can best represent them. Mm-hmm. is also really challenging, but it's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I've really learned um, a lot more this year. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that your academic track has changed yeah. a few times. Do you have any plans after graduation or what would like a dream job yeah. be? Yeah. So my dream job at the moment is um, I would love to do uh, diversity work at a tech company. Um, I think that really kind of bridges all of the different things that I've been involved in and just like I'm passionate about and especially being from the Bay Area and seeing just the impacts that like tech companies have on not only like building up like communities in the sense of like oh there's a lot of wealth here now and and like new technology and it's like so beautiful and everything but like Mm -hmm. thinking about all the communities that get left behind because of it um i think people are starting to think about and like think about when they have the conversation of like homelessness and like Mm -hmm. the wealth um divide but i think it really tech companies have so much so many resources and so much money that i think that they have the potential to help build up those communities Mm -hmm. in a way that's really meaningful and really impactful Mm -hmm. and in the end really benefits everybody because if the whole if we like help the most marginalized in our community that just helps everybody Mm -hmm. and so i think that that's kind of at the point where i think i could do the most beneficial work for the community that i that i can see with my eyes Mm -hmm. and um 
and I am still interested in tech and I think taking a lot of computer science classes like really allows me to see how computer scientists think and maybe different ways that there are limitations to having folks in tech also do kind of like philanthropy like advocacy work mm-hmm. so that's kind of like the dream there's yeah. a lot of different paths that I can take to get there I am thinking about graduate school not for this coming year but maybe in the future just mm-hmm. because I unfortunately am not an ethnic studies major but if I were to go back in time I totally would be because I think that the stu- like critical race and ethnic studies is something that a lot of people think isn't like necessary to study it's like oh well you can just like learn about racism online but like that's totally not a thing like mm-hmm. it's such an important academic study and you can do anything mm-hmm. with um a degree in that study right because anything that involves the world like involves issues of like injustice and racism mm-hmm. and i think that you can carry that into any field mm-hmm. so i'm kind of hoping to study that more um in depth through graduate school and then mm-hmm. kind of like going back to serving the community and doing work kind of that i mentioned yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, I have a couple shorter questions mm-hmm. to wrap up. Um, first of all, is there any favorite place that you've traveled? Hmm, that's a good question. It's funny because I've been to Seattle probably like five times in the past three years, so I should say that, but I went to San Diego recently, mm. um, and I loved it, and mm. I just think that it's just such a beautiful community, literally, and I was able to visit Barrio Logan, which is their Latino neighborhood in San Diego, really close mm. to Mexico, and it was just really cool to see um, just such a vibrant like beautiful community of mm. predominantly like Latinx people um, in America just existing and showing their beauty to like the rest of the world was really awesome so i think it's a really cool place and i love the water so it just kind of brings all of that together Mm -hmm. are there any specific like technologies or gadgets that you like especially love Hmm. or any purchases under like a hundred dollars that you've really enjoyed recently for me like the one thing that i'm willing to like shell out a little bit of money for is like good headphones mm-hmm. um i'm like super into music and mm-hmm. I, I will not use apple headphones like you can't pay me to use them mm-hmm. they feel weird in my ears like the sound doesn't sound good um so just like a good pair of earphones i think mm-hmm. i haven't bought one recently but i it's on it's on the agenda <laughs> okay do you have any favorite like music styles or artists yeah so my like all-time favorite is just like alternative rock mm-hmm. um that was like kind of what i was grown like what i was raised on mm-hmm. i my favorite band in like fifth grade was rise against if you've ever heard mm-hmm. of them yeah mm-hmm. which is kind of wild for like a 10 year old to be uh-huh. listening to <laughs> but older siblings so that's kind of like where i what i listened to like most of my life and then mm-hmm. kind of later into high school and early into college i like fell into hip-hop and i was like this is amazing so a bunch of different genres um i'm very into latino like music as mm-hmm. well um both like traditional kind of like folk as well as like reggaeton um so kind of like a a blend of a bunch of different things yeah yeah if you could send a message to every person in the united states what would you want to say Hmm. it's funny because i think about this a lot what what is the thing that people need to know to kind of get where we want to go i guess what i would say is Think about like your life and like the challenges that like you've faced and just mm-hmm. remember that like every person you see has like their own unique challenges that they're facing too that may be worse than yours that may be better, but it they're carrying it with them in like everything that they do. And so remember that like they want to be treated with the same level of like patience and compassion that you do mm-hmm. when you're having like your worst day. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And finally, what does an ideal Saturday look like for you? Mm. All right. 
this will hopefully hopefully be this Saturday. So <laughs> I like to wake up like early ish. I'm an early riser, um, and I like to like start my day off going to the gym, and then. I like to have a nice lunch because I'm super hungry after the gym. Gotta get beans. I love going to like farmers markets and spending time at like coffee shops. I think that would be like the afternoon kind of mm-hmm. piece. Um, and then like my favorite thing to do is just like watch the sunset on like lookouts mm-hmm. or hills. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. For yeah. Doing this interview. I appreciate it. Thank you for, for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the show today. You can subscribe to Voices of Santa Clara on the iTunes podcast app. You can visit VoicesOfSantaClara.com for interview transcripts, and you can like the Facebook page. Special thanks to Miles Elliott for the music. Thank you for listening, and have a nice day.